Turn to Genesis chapter 35, if you would, tonight. Genesis chapter 35. Genesis chapter 35. I'm going to read the first five, five verses. It says, God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, and dwell there, and make there an altar unto God, that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother, then Jacob said unto his household, and to all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you, and be clean, and change your garments. Let us arise, and go up to Bethel, and I will make there an altar unto God, who answered me in the day of my distress, and was with me in the way which I went. And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hand, and all the earrings which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under an oak, under the oak which is in Shech by Shechem. And they journeyed, and terror of God was upon the cities that were round about them, and they did not pursue after the sons of Jacob. The context of this passage is, of course, Jacob is on his way returning to the house of his father, back to the land of Beersheba, land of Canaan, after being in um, Syria um, for 15, 20 years, and uh, you know, after he'd run from Esau. And of course, the land of Assyria, or the land where, where uh, Abraham originally came from, that's, that's the land, Herod, was a land of idol worship. And it's interesting that when he goes back there, guess what he picks up? You notice that in verse 4? They gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hand, and all their earrings which were in their ears. No, it's not talking, I don't think about women wearing earrings here. It's the men. There's a, I think there's a relationship here between strange gods and men wearing earrings. But anyway, and, and he, Jacob hid them under the oak, which was by Shechem. So he's heading back to Bethel. Bethel means house of God. So he's returning home. And if you remember, on his way to Laban, he had stopped at Bethel. And, and, and he had this vision or this dream of the angel of God descending and ascending on this ladder. And he said, this is the house of God. And he made there an altar unto the Lord and worshipped the Lord and made a promise to God. Well, he's been gone from there for at least 15 years. And, he's, and, and you know, he, he really has reneged on that promise, so he's headed back there. And he was reminded of the promise he made to God. That promise was that he would serve God all his days. And he would give God the tenth of all his possessions. Those are the two things he, he promised. So he's headed back. And, and you know, this is a reminder to Jacob, um, I guess we need to get rid of some things. We're going back to meet with God. Some things he picked up. Uh, we need to, we need to like have a house cleaning. We need to, we need to clean house, if you will. 
uh, clean up our lives because we're going to meet God. We can't go meet God like this. You know, this is this is kind of telling of of uh, you know. We find this this that throughout history, people have tried to worship God. Uh, you know, and, and worship the things of the world, or worship God and worship false gods at the same time. Don't work. Doesn't work. And as we're thinking about, of course, you know, the, uh, we're going to be looking at a little bit why, again, why standards tonight, uh, by biblical standards. Uh, but, and this is what Jacob is is facing here. He's facing going back into a a proper relationship with God, and he understands that to have these idols and the earrings and the things that he has, the, the strange gods that are among them, to have a right relationship with God, he's got to get rid of them. And you remember who it was that had stole her father's idols out of the house when they left. It was his favorite wife, Rachel. And of course, she hid them. In uh, the camel's furniture from Laban, her father. So, so if we're going to be found faithful uh, we're, uh, to the Lord throughout life, we have to maintain, maintain some standards of conduct. There's some things that God expects, just as parents, as you and I expect some things of our children. God expects some things of us. You know, to to have a Christianity where there are no expectations really is to have a Christianity that's of no consequence. It's not any different than the rest of the things of the world. So I want to look at some things tonight. The reason that God gives us biblical standards. Number one, they're given for our for our protection. Given for our protection. You know, many people have the idea that standards are to restrict us and to hinder us from freedom. That is not the purpose that God gives standards. No, they are given for our protection. They are, they are, I don't know if you remember the message that Terry Danford preached about loving fences. Okay, they're like fences. You know, some of you have dogs, and to keep your dogs in, to keep them protected, you put an underground fence in. Um, to keep our animals protected, we have a fence. You know, to, to protect your children. You know, a lot of people today are building fences for their children. But if you didn't have a fence, a physical fence, you would put a fence in their mind. By correcting them, you, you might say to, 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 uh, to, to Ryan, Ryan, don't go to the road. You know, and if you go out on the road, there are consequences. What are you doing? You're putting a fence in his mind. That's a fence. See, that's a thou shalt not. And we need to understand that God's thou shalt nots are not to restrict us. God didn't say to Adam and Eve, don't eat of that forbidden fruit because it's good for you. Because it's something you'll be missing if you do. If you don't, you know. No, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't keep, try to keep them from something that was good. It was there to protect them. Let's look at a couple of verses here. Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4, in verses 14 and 15. Proverbs 4, 14. Enter not 
into the path of the wicked. Go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. For they sleep not except they have done mischief, and their sleep is taken away unless they cause some to fall. Evil and wicked men enjoy causing others to fall. You know, misery loves company. And so the Bible says here, God commands us, don't go in the path of the wicked. Go not in the way of evil men. That, you know, again, given to protect us. Proverbs uh, 13, verses 20 and 21. Proverbs 13, 20 and 21. He that walketh with a wise man, wise men shall be wise, but companion of fools shall be destroyed. Evil pursueth sinners, but to the righteous good shall be repaid. So evil pursueth, at least it goes after. You know, the evil people, uh, it, it, you know, they, they pursue sin. And so we're, we're to walk with wise men, not with fools, lest we be destroyed. In Job 31.1, Job said, I have made a covenant with mine eyes. And then he said this, Why then should I think upon a maid? Okay, if I made a covenant with my eyes, he, he made a covenant with his eyes for a purpose. So he wouldn't have evil thoughts about other women. So he made a covenant with his eyes for his protection. For his protection. Uh, you know, Psalm 10, verse 3. Psalm 10, verse 3 says, For the wicked boasteth of his heart's desire, and blesseth the covetous, whom the Lord abhorreth. So, you know, again, I don't know that that's the right verse I wanted there, but, but um, we ought not to boast in... Uh, our sin or what we think we can do and not get caught at. Psalm 101 is the verse I want. Psalm 101, verse 3. Let me read verse 2 also. I behave myself wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when wilt thou come unto me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. So I will... I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. In Matthew 5, 27, 28 talks about it. He that looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery already with her in his heart. Yeah, that's why Job made a covenant with his eyes. Not to take a second look. Not to look and covet. Not to dwell on it. He said, I made a covenant. What was that command given for? It was given for our protection. Our protection. Romans 13.14 tells us not to make any provision for the flesh. In other words, don't give it the opportunity. I remember evangelist Chuck Coffey saying one time, you know, evangelists get into interesting things sometimes, especially when it comes to people housing them, putting them up. It used to be, you know, you could stay in homes. That's been long since kind of gone by the wayside with good reason. But anyway, he showed up at a church one time and uh, 
he said the pastor met him there, and he said, uh, and then he said, uh, now this this lady will take you to your motel. And he said she was in a Camaro. You know, a beautiful young lady in a Camaro. I guess it was the church secretary. And he said, I don't think so. He said, what do you think she is, a whore? He said, no. I'm just concerned about what thoughts I might have in that trip. I'm not putting myself in that position. And besides, you know, he didn't say this, but, but I thought of this later. Besides, okay, what if somebody else saw Chuck Coffey, a nice blonde-haired young lady driving down the street in a Camaro somewhere? You know, fences are for our protection, our protection. And much sin and suffering and hardship in life can be avoided by simply obeying the thou shalt nots of Scripture. Think of Samson. If he just obeyed his Nazarite vow, he wouldn't have ended up with two eyes missing and grinding like an ox in the prison house. Or David, with his sin with Bathsheba, and it was his eyes that got him in trouble. And of course Solomon, again, loved many strange women, and they caused him all sorts of problems, and they brought idolatry into Israel. He built for them groves and high places, and, and so compromised the truth of the word of God, and therefore God sent adversaries against Solomon. You see, God gave the commands that thou shalt not so scripture for our protection. So they're given for our protection. They're given also for identification. I mentioned this a little bit last week. A little, I'm going to well, a little more time on it. Leviticus 27, or 20, 26. Leviticus 20, 26. <coughs> and... Uh, this, I know this is Old Testament, but this is true Older New Testament, this principle. Leviticus 20 and verse 26. And ye shall be holy unto me, for I the Lord am holy, and have severed you from other people that ye should be mine. So he says, ye shall be holy, talking here specifically to Israel, but as we'll see, and there's a New Testament counterpart. Ye shall be holy unto me, for I the Lord am holy, and have severed you from other people that ye should be mine. So God gave... Specific commandments to the children of Israel that they were to keep. And, and commands they were not to do to demonstrate to the world that they were his. They belonged to him. In fact, go to Exodus 28. Exodus 28. You know, and, and, and there, there's a little... There's a, um, Exodus 28 and verse 2, and then also verse 40. This is mentioned twice. Exodus 28, verse 1, And thou shalt take unto thee Aaron thy brother and his sons with him from among the children of Israel, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. Even Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and Eliezer, and Ithamar, Aaron's sons. And it wasn't just Aaron's sons as well. Thou shalt make holy garments for Aaron thy brother for glory and for beauty. Verse 40. And for Aaron's sons thou shalt make coats, and thou shalt make for them girdles and bonnets, shalt thou make for them, for glory and for beauty. 
So, you know, they were to they were to have a certain dress standard as priests, as the high priest, and as priests, his sons were put into priests' offices. They were to have certain dress standards for glory and beauty. Uh, now, of course, we know in First Timothy, First Peter two nine, ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness, out of darkness unto light. I can't even remember how that verse, that verse goes. But there's an interesting verse in Zephaniah. I was reading this today. Zephaniah chapter 1. And, and this caught my attention. Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 7 says, Hold thy peace at the presence of the Lord thy God, the day of the Lord is at hand. The Lord hath prepared his sacrifice. He hath bid his guests. It shall come to pass in the day the Lord sacrifices that I will punish the princes and the king's children and all such as are clothed with strange apparel. Now, Zephaniah was a prophet in the time of Jeremiah during Josiah the king. You know, Josiah was the, probably one of the godliest kings that Israel and Judah ever, Judah ever had. And there was a revival, at least a form of revival, under Josiah, led by Josiah himself. However, as soon as he was dead, guess what happened? They went right back to their wickedness. Do you know what that tells me? The revival was kind of superficial. They, they, their hearts really weren't with Josiah. They loved the benefits that Josiah brought. I mean, God made Israel, or Judah, it was Judah, the southern kingdom. They were already divided at that point. I think, back to, I think the northern kingdom was already carried off by then. But anyway, but God made Judah to prosper under Josiah. And so, of course, the people liked that. And so they went along with his reforms. But as soon as he's gone, I mean, they're right back to their wickedness. And, and this is the thing that Zephaniah says about it and that caught my attention. The king's children and all such as are clothed with strange apparel. Now, the word strange means alien, foreign. It could mean whorish. In other words, they weren't dressing like Israelites were supposed to. In fact, don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure the children of Israel were supposed to have a ribbon of blue around their garments to identify them. You know, they were, they were a distinguished people. And they were distinguished for the purpose of them, uh, uh, the world understanding that they belonged to God. It was an identification mark. And so, you know, our dress, our dress ought to identify us as God's people, as people that are holy, separated. Um, you know, of course, the Bible talks about in First in, in Timothy about being modest. That means well arranged. Uh, 
You know, you know the idea here with well arranged would be having your life in order. You know, when you see somebody that's that's out in the world and they're sloppily dressed, the hair's not combed, they're unshaven or whatever. You know, you know, beards not trimmed. They're just just straggly looking. What do you think? There's a person that's out of order. They don't have things together. You know, God has got an order, and he wants us to look that part. doesn't mean you have to wear a suit and tie every day, obviously. When I was cleaning the barn the other day, I didn't wear a suit and tie, I can assure you that. And I smelled like a cow manure, you know. But, but you know, we, we should dress as a holy people. We ought to dress for distinction. God made a difference between a male and a female. Uh, Deuteronomy 22.5 tells us very clearly. Uh, Deuteronomy 22.5. Of course, this is one of those most hated verses of the Bible. It says, Thou shalt not wear that which pertaineth unto man, neither shall man put on a woman's garment, for all that do so an abomination unto the Lord. Now, you know, it used to be, it used to be that, and it still is, you know, if you see a guy wearing a dress, you think, there's something wrong with him. But we don't think much of it when women wear men's clothes anymore, do we? But it's the same, the same is, is true. We ought to look at that the same way we look at the other. Um... You know, the, the, the fruit of all this, it's like we were talking to somebody the other, the other night, the fruit, of the, fruit of, the fruit of the feminist movement is coming full circle now to the, uh, the transgender thing and, uh, uh, you know, boys being allowed to play girls' sports. And, you know, after all, we're, we're not any different. And, you know, what's the big deal? I mean, you know... Um, but that's the fruit of this. And, and really the, the whole basis is, is you know, a basis of this is, I don't want to submit to what God made me. I've always said, you know, homosexual is somebody who doesn't want to submit to, to whom God made him to be. Or her to be. So, it is for identification. Identification. Uh... It is to maintain proper fellowship. As you go back to Deut- or Genesis chapter 35, this is, what, this is, this is uh, Jacob's concern here as he's going back to Bethel. And uh, he's returning there. And he wants his communion with the Lord. And he wants the promise that God made him restored as well. And so this is his concern. And in, in, notice in verse 1, and God said unto Jacob, Rise, go up to Bethel, and dwell there, and make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. Then Jacob said unto his household, To all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you, and be clean, and change your garments. Now, you need to get rid of those strange garments you got. And you got to get rid of the strange gods that you have. And you got to get rid of the earrings that are in your ears.
And so they gave, verse 4 says, They gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hand, and all their earrings which were in their ears, and Jacob hid them under the oak, which was by Shechem. And notice verse 5. And they journeyed, and the terror of God was upon the cities that were round about them, and they did not pursue after the sons of Jacob. Now, do you realize what happened in the preceding chapter? Let's look there. In th- chapter 34, you know, this, this is happening, boom, 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 right at, one right after the other. Th- chapter 34, verse 1, Dana, the daughter of Leah, which she bare unto Jacob, went out to see the daughters of the land. And when Shechem, the son of Hamer, the Hivite, prince of the country, saw her, he took her, lay with her, and defiled her. And to make a long story short, I'm not going to read all this for sake of time. But he kept her at his house. But he wanted to marry her. But he defiled her. So, Hamer, the father of Shechem, him and Shechem come to Jacob, and you know the sons of Jacob were in the field when it happened. When they heard it, they were angry. And so they come to him and commune with him, and of course Shechem wants to marry Dana, he says. And so, being the conniving guys that they are, they said, okay, we'll allow you to marry our daughters, and we'll, and we'll marry your daughters if you consent to one thing. Oh, you men have to be circumcised. Oh, and they agreed. Yeah, because Shechem said he, he, he loved Dana, you know, so they agreed. <laughs> and then Simeon and Levi, when they're all sore, all the men are sore, take their swords and go in and kill every man in the city. And you notice, verse 30 and of course, they, they, take, they take the spoil. Verse 27 says, Some Jacob come upon the slain, spoiled the city because they had defiled their sister. They took the sheep, their oxen, their asses, and that which was in the city, and that which was in the field, and all their wealth, and all their little ones, and their wives, took their captives, spoiled all that was in the house. And Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, Ye had troubled me to make me to stink among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites and the Perizzites, and I being few in number. They shall gather themselves together against me and slay me, and I shall be destroyed, I and my house. Now, this is a wake-up call for, for Jacob. You know, Jacob, is, he, he's been in, he's been in uh, Haran uh, with Laban, and of course he's picked up all these bad, this, this, this uh, uh, idolatrous things and activities that he's been involved in, and his family's been involved in, and he's not been addressing. And it's come home. You know, they say the chickens come home to roost. Now he's reaping it. And now he's scared. Now he's in fear. And he realizes, you know what I need to do? I need to get right with God. That's what chapter 35 is all about. See, I need to get rid of Do you think they weren't attached to these idols? And their earrings, I guess they. I guess those guys made 
evidently thought that make them look pretty or something. I'm not sure why men want to wear earrings, but but anyway, I, I guess they think it looks them makes them look nice. But 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 uh, you know, I'm sure they were attached to them. But Jacob said, "We got to get rid of them because we need the favor of God." And it's interesting that when when he, when they when they give up all this stuff that they had and their gods and their earrings and their ears and and they bury them under an oak and it says in verse 35 and they journeyed and the terror of God was upon the cities that were round about them and they did not pursue after the sons of Jacob. So the point is when God's people live for God it puts a fear of them into the world. When Israel obeyed God and followed Moses, it put a fear of them into the hearts of the Canaanites. You know, Rahab told them all about it once they got to Rahab's house. He said, our hearts did melt when we heard what God did for you. You know, all the children of Israel were afraid, and all the, all, you know, everybody's afraid. The children of Israel were afraid of the Canaanites, the Canaanites were afraid of the children of Israel. You know, if the children of Israel were just trusted in God, they wouldn't have been afraid. What time I am afraid, I would trust in thee. And see, this is what proper fellowship brings one into a confidence in the Lord. You know, and so, you know, proper, you know, uh, obeying biblical standards is 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 necessary to protect, to maintain proper fellowship. Hebrews twelve one and two says, "Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus." the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, if we get our eyes off of things that beset us, Jacob, you need to get your eyes off the idols, the earrings, the strange gods, and all those things that you gathered in Haran. You need, you need to give them up. I don't care what they're worth. Yeah, I'm sure they were made of gold and silver. That's usually what they made gods, the false gods' images out of, was gold or silver. So they were worth money. And Jacob, and their earrings, of course, and Jacob said, just give them to me, and he buried them. He buried them. You see, we need to lay aside, he says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. You see, those strange gods and things that Jacob had picked up and his family had picked up in Haran had, had led him astray. They had beset him from looking to the Lord. So, they are to maintain Fellowship. So we can see here. There's some there's some things that that um, you know some application of some standard of course dress. First uh, Timothy two nine talks about uh, 
we're to dress with modesty, shamefacedness, and sobriety. Uh, Deuteronomy 22.5, distinction. Uh, you know, men, earrings. Earrings are women's. What do you call it? Call them. Huh? Jewelry. Uh, accessories. That's, what I, that's the word I want. Accessories. Um, you know, I, I knew an evangelist. He was an old, 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 he was always, always he was always, he was a gruff kind of old guy. He did a lot of Bible schools. And he, these boys would come in with earrings in. And he'd say, what are you doing wearing your mama's jewelry? You know. <laughs> uh, you know, it, in fact, look at, look at, we're not to make cuttings. Look at uh, Leviticus chapter 19. <clears throat> Leviticus chapter 19. And verse 28. Leviticus 19, 28. You shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor print any marks upon you. I am the Lord. Uh, chapter 21, verse 5. Again, they shall not make baldness upon their head, neither shall they shave off the corner of their beard, nor make any cuttings in their flesh. Uh, of course, that would have the day with the, with the body piercing. Uh, so these are the things that we're, we're to um, uh, not to participate in. You know, our, our, we are to glorify God in our body and our spirit, which are God's. And, and so, uh, you know, <laughs> and we're not to wear strange apparel or to wear apparel that that typifies or identifies our gender our gender and we need to have a right attitude look at Deuteronomy 28 Deuteronomy 28 attitude is so important Deuteronomy 28 Again, if we understand the purpose, it's not to keep us from things. God gives us the thou shalt nots in Scripture for our protection. He knows better us better than we know ourselves. Uh, Deuteronomy 28, verse 45 says this, Moreover, all these curses shall come upon thee, and shall pursue thee and overtake thee, till thou be destroyed, because thou hearkenest not unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to keep his commandments and his statutes which he commanded thee. And they shall be upon thee for a sign and for a wonder. There's, there's your identification, sign. That's, that's an identifying thing. For a wonder and upon thy seed forever. Because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. Therefore shalt thou serve thine enemies with which the Lord shall send against thee in hunger and in thirst and in nakedness and want of all things. And he shall put a yoke of iron upon thy neck until he have destroyed thee. You see, the children of Israel became burdened with a thou shalt nots. You know, you go to Malachi chapter 1. And the Lord says, why have you despised me? And they said, wherein have we despised thee? And he said, in sacrifice and offerings. If you offered a blind sacrifice to the governor, would he accept it? You see, the problem is, it became a burden to the children of Israel to bring a, a lamb that was without blemish of the flock. 
In other words, bring their best. God no longer had preeminence in their heart. No longer would they joyfully give God their best, their first fruits. Oh, they wanted to keep that for themselves. You see, that was a burden to them. You know, when, when, when obedience to God becomes a burden, pretty soon you're going to quit doing it. And when it becomes a burden, you'll change that standard to make it fit your own standard, and then you'll also, not only will you have God's disapproval, but you'll lose the respect of the world. That's where we are in America. That's where we are in our world. Again, the world has no respect for God's people anymore. Because too many of God's people don't live like God's people. And now they just think we can, they can shut us down whenever they want. Kind of reminds me of the story I read one time about a church that was being sued for a bar that got burnt down. And you know, I don't know if it's a true story or not, but anyway, it makes a good illustration. So they get into court, and the bar owners are, say, are suing the church because they said that the church people prayed for the bar to be burned down. And the church people said, no, we didn't. We're not responsible for burning your bar down. And the judge says, there's only one thing I can understand here, is that the bar owner believes in prayer and the church people don't. You know, the world does have some knowledge about the Bible. They know that God expects some things of God's people. And when God's people don't live like God's people, the world, don't, the world does not respect them. And God can only do one thing, and that is judge them like he did the children of Israel, bring judgment. And so might God help us to understand that standards are for our protection. They help us to maintain our fellowship with the Lord. And we have to do them with the right attitude before the Lord.